When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, White Sox fans. It's Crystal O'Keefe with episode 14 of Visiting Dugout, brought to you by the Southside Sox, a part of Fans First Sports Network. Today on the show, I have Jeff Ellis, host of Locked On Guardians. Hello. Hello. Thanks for having me on the show. Absolutely. Please go ahead and introduce yourself and what you do with Locked On Guardians. <laughs> so my name is Jeff Ellis. Uh, I've been the host of Locked On Guardians for four years now. Hard to believe that. Uh, before that, I was a prospect and draft analyst at Scout and 24 7. And if people know me, it's probably more for that amongst the White Sox fans through the years. Um, I was very lucky in my time uh, covering it to uh, have some good interactions with Sox fans and also uh, with some people in the Sox uh, front office. I don't know if that's a good thing to admit right now or not to Sox fans, but I always say I I appreciate the one thing with that front office is when you spend all that time doing the work. And I've told the story on my own podcast sometimes you hear secondhand for people who are like, you did a good job. I always appreciate that. Like I had actual people from the Sox say, Hey, we appreciate your work. So I'll say at least there's good people, even if there's frustration right now. Yeah. A lot of frustration. I think as we're recording, they are probably about to get rise and dwarfed because the weather is bad. It's been raining and all these people are stuck in the ballpark ordering beers only to probably be told the game's not happening tonight. So there's, <laughs> there's a lot of frustration. With him and Rick Hahn. Yeah, yeah, no, I see. That. And it's it's hard to argue when it comes to Reisendorf. It, it, it's just badness. Like when the Royals and the Guardians handed out their first $100 million contracts and the White Sox still haven't. It's yeah. kind of mind-boggling as a, an outside observer. Our highest paid has been Andrew Benatendi, and he is not really doing anything. <laughs> 
Cincinnati's own. I remember covering him in high school, going back to the original conversation. Well, not writing him up in high school, I should say. I didn't like right. go down to Cincinnati to cover him. But, um, but yeah, no, it's, I, like I said, I understand all the frustration with every White Sox fan right now. It's it's a big market team that kind of operates like they're the guardians at points. And that's doesn't make a whole lot of sense. No, not really. But let's not talk about my terrible team. Let's get into your team right now. So they are sitting just above the White Sox in the American League Central with a record of 17 and 20, but they are only three and a half games back now from first place. So what is going on in Cleveland right now? Um, they have an offense that is you sometimes wonder if a really good little league pitcher would be effective against them. It has been, to put it kindly, awful. Um, it's at historical rates in the early going. And I know if any guardians, basically there's two approaches with this and I am neither of them. So it gets me in trouble with all the guardians fans, which is uh, they're terrible and we should all give up or it's way too early to come to any conclusions. Whereas I say, it's it's been almost two months if you're historically bad that's scary but there is a chance they're a weird team because they're built on contact and you know anyone who's really in the weeds on baseball knows like uh contact rates mean you can be really unlucky or you can be really lucky and you can have phenomenal play or terrible play and uh right now it's been terrible play for the offense it's there you know for Right now, that's the division. The Twins and Tigers are like, and the Royals are all down there um, with uh, with Cleveland uh, for this. But Cleveland is pretty much the worst offense in baseball, which is impressive because Oakland was built to fail and Cleveland is somehow worse. Yeah, I'm convinced Oakland is like a, mo- a money laundering scheme or something. Yeah. So... <laughs> um, how concerned are you? Because I know Josh Naylor typical White Sox killer has had a bit of a sluggish start. And I know, you know, you say you're not really in either camp, but are you kind of concerned with how he's been playing lately? Uh, Well, it's funny you say that because he just hit the home run to take the lead here as I have this going in the eighth. You're very Um, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that uh, against the Angels. But so the outlying data shows he's like hitting the ball as well as a year ago, but the results aren't there. Um, I, I worry that he's, there's a few guys on the team that seem like they maybe read a little bit more of their press clippings than they should have, or didn't fully dive in into this off season. And some are very honest about that, which I appreciate. And I get it. Um, you know, everyone should have time off. I don't think like we need these guys to be committed at 24 seven to the game. I wouldn't be good for their mental health, but it did seem like a few guys maybe took a little too much of a, a break and his name has come up in that. Uh, so they need him. Uh, he was such a driver in the heart of that lineup. And and right now, I think Jose Ramirez is our only hitter with an OPS over 700. Um, everyone's, I think Naylor is not even six. It's it's ugly. The one thing I'll say is that I, th- I think he'll recover, but then you also have the concern if you go and look at his career data. Um, he's only got one year with a runs created plus over 100. It was last year. Every other year before that, he hadn't really looked the part. So hopefully he'll recover because they really don't have a good answer if he doesn't. And then in that same vein, especially since you kind of mentioned recovery, we know that Jose Ramirez's thumb injury seemed to be a lot more severe than what was originally stated. So do you have any 
worry about him. I mean, I know he's probably the best hitter right now, but how much does that really affect him? I, I think it's it's fair to say that like it's a concern because he's not the guy he was before that thumb injury. Um, it makes my want to pull my hair out a little bit to think about the fact that he had that terrible thumb injury and he still played in the home run derby and took some unnecessary risks. Again, I understand wanting to try things, but when your thumb is so bad, it requires surgery in the off season. Maybe don't do all the extra things. And with that, now I had a very different injury, but I broke my thumb once. So going on my own, you know, it's, it doesn't bend anymore. You know, you bust it, bust it with uh, playing baseball of all things. And you don't want to do things as much. And he became, it felt like more of a free swinger because that thumb wasn't healed. And he hasn't gotten back from that. And, you know, he's still a solid player, but he's a below 800 OPS for a guy who for a lot of years there was a top five MVP guy. That's, that's a huge drop off. Um, after he broke his thumb, he was the definition of average offensively. And he's been above that uh, in his recovery, but he does not feel like the Jose Ramirez of, you know, even two years ago where this was a player who was driving that team or even at the start of last year, where I think sometimes it gets forgotten, but for that first month, it wasn't like Otani or judge, but a lot of the debates online were Ramirez or judge because Ramirez just wasn't swinging at anything. And uh, you know, I read a piece today that maybe he's just like a 2020 guy going forward, which I mean, that, that's great production, uh, 270 2020 guy. But from where he was, that's a massive drop off. And Cleveland doesn't have anyone else really approaching that type of offensive production. So it's he is their best hitter by far. He has been solid still, but you're hoping for more than solid for him at this point. Yeah, of course. I know that's tough, especially when you're watching these players still do things when they are injured. I mean, I have seen Luis Robert Jr. try to hit the ball with one arm holding up the bat, which is, you know, because they didn't want to put him on the IL. And then I think about how Liam Hendricks is pretty sure he was dealing with cancer at the end of last season and still going out there and giving us all. So it is scary to think about that and how, much more damage they could do. Cause I mean, that can ruin your career if you're constantly kind of re aggravating that same spot. hundred percent. I think that kind of happened to like Grady Sizemore as a Cleveland fan back in the, like he never felt like he ever fully got hundred percent healthy. And when he went from, you know, people sometimes get mad at me when I say a hall of fame track saying, you can't say that, but I'm like, I feel like he was. And then mm-hmm. he wasn't. Yeah. Yeah, I've noticed that too, especially Chris Sale is the other one. I was just talking about him earlier on a podcast where I don't think he's ever going to be back to 100%, which stinks because he's so talented, but he's just he's getting up there in age and he's not healing as quickly anymore. Yeah, it's it, you know, and you miss out on those guys because Sale was so unique. Um, you know, again, I've been writing long enough. I remember that was one of my first draft classes. Um, I wrote up and I, you know, I was one of the, the morons at the time. He was like, I don't think that that delivery is going to be successful. And it's not for most guys, but it could work for him. And I was so wrong and so many levels, but uh, uh, it was to the White Sox benefit. And I will say that's maybe the one time they look really well, I, trading both those pitchers. Like they, they managed to get out at high peak value. So, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, set, losing sale, I think is bad for baseball. Yeah. As much as a kind of hot mess that he Mm -hmm. has become, it it does stink for him. But so, you know, you you know, they're off to a slow start, but do you see anything improving 
kind of by mid-season or maybe kind of where they're sitting again in October or like September, I mean, because again, the AL Central really sucks. Yeah. (laughs) Do you see them, you know, climbing back up since right now it's really just the twins that are playing good baseball in this division? One of the the things we keep saying, you know, it's a love hate with this team is the fact that this, they had the same record, I believe like on Tuesday as a year ago this time. And that, you know, uh, Terry Francona teams just start slow. Uh, Ahmed Rosario has been terrible, but you go and you look at his data. He doesn't get hot until the weather gets hot. He is like the worst guy to play. He, he needs to just live in Miami and he'd be a better player. But he starts really slow. And it just, even though we know he's going to turn it around and be an average player, uh, it is really hard to watch those like 41 runs created pluses and those you know, uh, well below league average. Cause he's you one thing. If he's a plus defender at short, he's not. Uh, but yeah, we, we know he's going to pick it up. Uh, class a kind of had the same issue a year ago. And for as much as guardian fans like to, uh, to jump in on, on class a and talk about all of his issues, he's still got like an ERA, I think barely over two and leads the league in saves. But if you mm-hmm. talk to your average guardians fan, they're like, Oh, he's a, he's a bum. Um, yeah. because his velocity's down, he's only hitting like 99 now. But uh, only, only. Uh, but he'll get better with a lot of these guys seem to get better as things heat up. And then for Cleveland, if they're willing to let the young kids play, we've seen it to varying degrees. I mean, last year at this time, I mean, they're still younger than every AAA team in baseball in, in baseball, as well as every major league team. But they had a top five farm system and those the, the stars of that farm system really haven't have just started to trickle in now with, with guys like Tanner Bybee. And I, I don't even think Logan Allen is really one of the stars. He's a top 10 guy, but he wasn't one of those top five, but we're seeing some of those guys. So they have those reinforcements if they're willing to go get them. That's fair. So do you have kind of your MVP player? I mean, I know it's a month and a half in, but who is really stuck out to you the most on this guardians team right now? Good question. Uh, you know, it's like going through. I'm. I feel like it. It might be Bieber. Uh, it might be Jose. Uh, neither of them have been quite as strong as a year ago. Uh, overall, it's probably Jose, just because he plays every day and is very clearly their top hitter. Uh, even if it is a bit of a down performance, uh, he's the only guy who's kind of above average in terms of um, the lineup. Right now, hopefully, again, that improves. But when you have, like I said, historically low slugging rates, um, you know, they went a week between home runs at one point in time uh, as a team. It's 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 pretty poor in terms of uh, they have no power at all. So it's Jose is at least there, kind of trying to uh, propel the rest of the lineup. So I think it's probably him. Uh, other than that, it's the entire rest of that lineup has been disappointing. And the pitching staff, it's a lot of. A lot of injuries. We still haven't seen Tristan McKenzie yet. Aaron Savale has had his yearly injury that he has every year. Um, So, I do not miss and also miss Tristan McKenzie because, again, he's another White Sox killer. But at the same time, he's just so good and he's so fun to watch. Yeah, he's you know that that's always been the concern because he's he's so he is he's a lot of fun and he's a big personality. But he's just unusual because I remember going to games in double A and him being charting the games, like doing the pitch charting up in the uh, the press box. 
and he's just he is every bit on, as skinny as he looks on TV. And it's <laughs> I'll always remember I one time tweeted out like when he was in the minors and I wasn't sure about him. Like there's literally one player in the baseball reference database who was six foot five, 200 pounds. And I go, it's Jason Schmidt. And I didn't tag Jason Schmidt, but he responded to that tweet. He somehow must have some kind of alert on his name. But he, he <laughs> let me know that was his high school weight. That was not his major league weight. So he's. Uh, Mackenzie is just you, you never he's a unicorn and yeah. we get to appreciate him when he's there and hopefully this will be as a Guardians fan his only injury uh, issue yeah that's fair all right we are going to just take a very quick break to pay some bills and we'll be right back to talk about the series I'm Alex Rodriguez and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg this is the deal each week you'll hear us in conversation with business icons this show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. And we are back. Again, I'm Crystal O'Keefe, and I am here with Jeff to talk about all things Guardians. So... We're going into this series as we're recording. They're still playing the Astros, um, the White Sox, but they just lost three of four to the last place Royals. I don't foresee this Astros series going very well, and I know tensions will be high with Jose Abreu back and on the south side, and he's had a, a drought with home runs, so I feel like he's just going to hit like five this this weekend. Um, but how do you feel going into this series when, again, the White Sox and Guardians are on really a similar pace right now? Uh, right now, uh, I'll be the first to admit, as I, I look over at the screen and see that uh, they got runners on first and third and one out, I'm not feeling very good. Uh, <laughs> this is a situation where it feels like they're failing in like almost every quadrant, and somehow they're, they're still barely alive. Uh, seeing if they can recover but you know the the offense is just non-existent the pitching staff is dealt with injuries the bullpen is not necessarily uh taking care of business i, I made some very now foolish comments about this being the greatest guardians bullpen of my life and they seem to just want to really make me look foolish thanks to that statement uh with some of the early struggles and injuries and yeah, I, I don't think it's been a we literally told people on our podcast this week to enjoy the off day and and go take a hike and get outside. So it's going to be it might be interesting Twitter because this is going to be two extremely frustrated fan bases uh, interacting. Yeah, we've got somebody uh, writes for another site, but anytime the socks are kind of already down bad you know first or second, he's like, all right, well, enjoy your evening, folks. Like log off. It's not getting any better. <laughs> it oh. definitely feels that way with Cleveland sometimes. It's like, hey, yeah. they got a run. We've already lost. We can't get a run. So exactly. And that's how I feel. It's like one or two runs. It feels like the White Sox cannot come back from that. So I I feel you. I feel your frustrations. But do you have any kind of keys for them to take the series? Like any or again, like kind of the biggest threat right now on the Guardians to the White Sox that could really have this series go in your favor. You know, Jim Bieber's pitching well for that first matchup game. So I feel pretty 
pretty okay about that pitching matchup because I feel like maybe I'm wrong in this, but Lance Lynn has had some struggles this year unless he's righted the ship since I checked. Uh, Wednesday, Peyton uh, Batonfield has been a every other, and uh, he was terrible. He was not good last time. He wasn't terrible. He wasn't good. So he's he should be good in this one. So you feel a little positive about that unless uh, the wheels come off. And Logan Allen has been a solid call up you know lefty super athletic he was a when he wasn't pitching he was a first baseman in uh, college and moved very quickly through the minors and it does feel like if i'm a as a guardians fan i'm kind of feeling happy about who we're getting to face i feel like we kind of got off a little lucky in this three-game matchup and that might be the biggest thing uh though at the same time it feels like clevenger good or bad might find an extra gear when he's facing Cleveland. Um, yeah. But all right, I don't know if he has anything left having the little bit that I've watched of him this year and last year, I, even finding an extra gear. I don't know what's there. So it just comes down to, it feels like whatever team gets to four runs, five <laughs> yeah. runs, it's, it's over. Like if, if a team can get to four, just finish the game up right there. There's no point. Yeah. So but it just really feels two or three. I think you could finish that game. <laughs> yeah, you get kind of the bottom order. We've got Lance Lynn, who has had just an awful, awful, awful season so far, which stinks because he's definitely regressing. And again, he's one of those. He's my age. He's getting older. So it doesn't look like it's going to get any better this season. And then you've got Clevenger and then you've got Michael Kopech, who is so hot and cold on the mound as well. I love him dearly, but man, he is frustrating to watch. Yeah, it's avoiding Chialito, who's pitching better, and then Cease, who I know maybe isn't as strong as a year ago, but we all remember what he did a year ago, mm-hmm. is hugely beneficial if you're Cleveland. Uh, you know, not facing those two arms is the ideal. And but then again, they seem to, doesn't matter who they, I mean, they made Patrick Corbin look decent and I'm not <laughs> sure he has anything left. Uh, two unearned runs in his start or no two earned runs. They then two unearned. It's, I mean, that it's been a, every guy who you think is washed has limited Cleveland to two runs. So uh, this could be exactly what the doctor ordered for Lance Lynn. Uh, maybe I'm sounding too fatalistic, um, but you know, they got four tonight. So that that's a high. Uh, I had one of our, and the game is tied for Cleveland managing to <laughs> that save in the ninth here. Um, but I had one of our listeners tell me that since the first or second game of the year where Cleveland won by five runs, they have not won a game by more than two runs. Oh, geez. So every single game has been a one or two run affair. Yeah, we've we've dealt with that. I mean, it's kind of funny. The White Sox, they either score zero to two runs or suddenly they blow up on the Reds and just – Get like seven runs in an inning. So, again, just a really hot and cold team. I love that this has turned into like nihilism podcast with these teams. Yeah. Well, I, Cleveland just gave up a sack fly to Brandon Drury. So they went in 4 3 lead. It's now 5 4 as we're recording and they'll probably end up losing. So it's, that's, you know, it, it's that's been kind of the year for them. Emmanuel Class A is, I don't know, I'd have to look up what is he, but it's the weird thing where like, He's blown like three or four saves, but his his ERA is two point seven, and he leads the league in in save still. So it's like he's it, I don't know, he's, 
I always worry that Tito likes to ride that pattern very hard and mm -hmm. like use those guys heavily. And then we kind of saw Andrew Miller and Cody Allen from the last generation both wear out before they left. And Cody Allen, it's like he's Cleveland's all-time saves leader, but he was done by baseball before he hit 30 because he got mm -hmm. used so heavily. So I'm just like, hopefully that isn't what we're seeing here again. Yeah, we we definitely have some bullpen woes too. We've got two that have been great that we weren't really expecting. And then we've got kind of our old guards that have just, you know, Aaron Bummer, Ronaldo Lopez, just just not doing it anymore. So it really will just kind of be the the battle of who can who can score a couple runs. Ooh, that sounds dreadful. Let's, let's move on from nihilism talk. <laughs> um, so going forward with, you know, kind of just the season in general, do you have teams that you see as kind of like your clear champions or an underdog team that, you know, might get lucky with a wild card and go super far into off or the playoff season? Yeah. I, is it, cheating to just talk about the Rays a bunch. I mean, they've been <laughs> kind of unbelievable uh, in terms of what they have done. Uh, you know, going around, I, I do kind of like the Brewers is, I guess, would probably be a, a sleeper team. Um, you know, the, they haven't even got the best out of their top starters. Um, they've got a lot of fun young outfield prospects. And even though, like, Garrett Mitchell went down, they still have, like, Freilich and Joy Weimer. And they just have this whole stable of, of kids who they're rushing up there. And uh, it's weird to think the Pirates are going to hold on and the Cardinals are going to stay that bad. But the Brewers being a half game behind the Pirates, and if they get their pitching back on track and healthy, and I, I don't know if they'll call up Churio this year, who might be the best hitting prospect in the minors right now, but it's like I, they're an interesting team with the potential to really break out. And then... I've liked the Diamondbacks for a while. I liked what they were building and putting in place down there with a lot of the young players. They're, we're seeing a lot of those young players get up uh, as well there. And they're, are they, they're ahead of the Padres, right? Or are they right about the same? But, um, you know, they're, you know, was it Brandon? I, I, I'll, anyone who's a Lockdown Guardians listener knows that uh, I'm terrible at pronunciation. As much as I try, I get, it's an, it's like a dyslexic thing. Like I, I start to get confused with the right and the wrong ones in my mind. So, right. but um, Brandon, Brandon P we'll call him, but fat, but fat, but fat. Yeah. I'm trying to remember how it's pronounced. It's like, I know he wasn't great this year, but he's another really interesting call up and everyone knows about Cor Corbin Carroll and, and as the big name, but they just, they've got a lot of really good players. They had a lot of really good drafts in there. And that also means they have the ammunition that if like, they decide to go and, and go in, they can go out and get someone. So I, I think those are probably my sleeper teams. I think the Rays are I, the one thing you'll say is like, they've lost two starters to potentially for the entire year in Rasmussen and Springs. But again, they just, one of their best relievers, uh, Kevin Kelly came from Cleveland. who didn't protect him in the rule five. Like they're just very good at finding that guy off the books. And he wasn't, when we talked about who Cleveland is going to lose in the rule five, we mentioned him, but he was like the fourth reliever we mentioned, even as like a podcast that is in the off season and looking for things to talk about as we have to go five days a week. It's like, we're, we're diving deep. And Kevin Kelly was still like fourth on our list and he's been phenomenal for the race. They're really good at knowing what they do. They're really good at finding the guys that fit their style and approach and they can, 
if a team can weather those injuries, it, it's them. And, you know, it's like, okay, so they'll do their service time manipulation. And by the end of the year, they'll have Taj Bradley in that rotation ready to go, as well as all their young players. Yeah, I, with the Rays, and you mentioned, you know, them just finding whatever. White Sox, DFA, Jake Diekman, he was terrible for us. He, you know, you, it was one of those players where it's like him and Aaron Bummer, you hear, oh, well, Deakman's warming up in the pen and you're like, oh no, please no. And he went to the Rays and he had his first shutout inning, you know, just like two nights ago. And I was like, you couldn't, you couldn't do that in Chicago, but you, you go to the Rays who don't need your help and you do it for them. Yeah. The, the Rays currently have Yandy Diaz who Cleveland gave away. I, him and Clevenger were in double A at a time where there was nothing in double A. And that was, I lived near that stadium and since I was media, it was great. You know, you you park down the streets, so you don't have to pay for parking. And they did press box food. So go get dinner on the the uh, the rubber ducks, watch a game. And and you know, there was nobody there, but then you slowly realize that Clevenger could throw um, and Diaz was really interesting. And Diaz is like fourth in baseball and OPS. He's desperately what they need. And then Harold Ramirez, who Cleveland, I mean, I was okay with cutting him. That one isn't as mad, but he he's their DH, and then Francisco Mejia is their backup catcher. So they have all of these Cleveland players uh in that lineup as well and i'm like okay um we just nothing goes right with cleveland and the rays one of their top prospects we traded a pitcher for that we cut halfway through last year and the guy we traded them is one of the rising prospects in baseball so just don't trade with the rays don't that they have a black magic that you don't want to get caught up in i'm telling you it's their they brought those devil rays jerseys back and now they've got that devil magic brewing somewhere down there feels like it for sure Good for them, but man, it's rough when you gotta you gotta face them. Well, um, again, so thank you so much for coming on. Again, please just remind people that where they can find you. Sure, you can uh, if you want to find out more about us chatting guardians. Uh, it you can follow uh, Lock Chat Guardians uh, YouTube or the podcast. Uh, you can follow me personally at Jeff MLB Draft. I still do a lot of draft content, as you can tell by the name there. Um, gearing up for a historic class at the top of this year's so we'll see uh, i'm projecting just for fun i'll say i've been projecting aiden miller to the white Sox. we'll see if that holds true or not the, the prep okay. third baseman but uh yeah it's uh like i said i've always appreciated the the front office and through the years i've gotten to know you know quite a few of the writers over there that are have been very it, until you it's only been gentlemen so when i say that it's a cool group of gentlemen it's because i'd only met gentlemen until this so now I, i'll have to expand but, um, you know, that that group has been uh, really kind and, and fun to interact with over the years. So um, I know Guardians and in uh, White Sox can be a little uh, chippy at times. I have seen that. I've, I've heard the stories and wars about hit by pitches. But uh, I hope everyone uh, will, will have some fun with this series. And maybe we can have a bunch of 11 to 10 games and just shock the world. That would be perfect because... Who knows? Yeah, they they do get a little chippy and it, it's kind of funny, but I think either fans are just so frustrated and they're turning it off or it's become, oh, my gosh, it's laughable how bad you are this year. So it might not be as chippy as long as no one gets hit by a pitch. But yeah. So, again, thank you so much. Go follow Jeff. Uh, go follow Lockdown Guardians as well. And uh, best of luck to you in the series. Thank you. You as well. Thanks.